Cerca di contrastarlo Juan Jesus, il tocco di Esciarawi, cerca il colpo di tacco, attenzione Nainggolan, riesce a mantenere il possesso di palla, palla sulla destra verso Bruno Perez, avanza Samir davanti a lui, ancora Bruno Perez cerca spazio, il tocco è arretrato per Strottman, lancia in area di rigore per Nainggolan, tira go, go, go! Hello and welcome again to another edition of the Roma Press Podcast. I'm production and content manager James Goodison and as always I'm joined by Roma Press editor John Solano. It was another exciting edition of Derby della Capitale. We'll discuss that and we'll look into Roma's upcoming Champions League match against Atletico Madrid as the team could potentially punch their ticket to the knockout stages. Finally, we have a very special guest who will join us later in the podcast. We'll be joined by the agent of Sengiz Unda, Omar Korey Uzum. So, John, let's start with the derby. Roma obviously winning 2-1. Uh, didn't really seem too threatened throughout the match by Lazio. Obviously, they scored the penalty. Uh, Perotti and Nangalan got the goals for Roma. That's a big win for us, isn't it? Yeah, you know what? Important three points. Um, some Champions League position implications. It was a massive, massive victory. Uh, very important. Very, very important. You know, anytime you have, we have essentially five teams battling for four Champions League places. So, uh, you know, anytime you can nip uh, some points off a direct rival for those uh, places, uh, extremely, extremely important. So, uh, crucial result. Good performance, in my opinion. As you said, uh, Lazio did not really uh, seem much of a threat. You know, in the in the second half, there were some. Uh, you know, they had some occasions on the flank. Um, Florenzi was was horrific. He, you know, he he certainly had a match to forget. He was getting torn apart by Lukaku on the on the right flank, which is weird because you know Lukaku <laughs> doesn't even start for Lazio anymore. So um, he'll miss out on the match against uh, Atletico. Now, Bruno Perez came on. He performed actually really, really yeah, well. So I ask you what you thought of his performance. There was a video doing the rounds on Twitter of that big tackle he made and how, uh, how hyped he was. It wasn't too bad, Bruno Perez was, yeah, n- I mean. No, you know what? His, the knock on him has always been defensively, and, you know, I'm one of those people. I'm, I'm very hard on him for that. Um, his positioning at times is abhorrent. He loses track of his man. He doesn't really seem to know at times where he needs to be. Uh, he has, you know, just these brain lapses that you wouldn't expect um, of a player on Roma. So, you know, for him to come up big like that, where, you know, when he was brought on, uh, I think the consensus was, oh, no, uh, <laughs> Florenzi's out. You know, what are we going to get with this guy? But, you know, what, as you said, he um, he tamed Lukaku pretty, pretty well. It seemed like Florenzi was really having trouble dealing with his pace. And it, it was a little odd to me just because Florenzi, I mean, he's, he's certainly not, you know, slow, but. He's also not a barn burner like, you know, the likes of Mohamed Salah. So it, it was odd. Now, Perez certainly uh, uh, much quicker than him, much, much quicker than him. So maybe, you know, just uh, strength 
for strength, um, having those two go at it. It was um, a little more to Perez's style to be able to sort of contain him. But, you know, other than that, we had the, you know, they had the handball, which um, Alisson, after the match, he, you know, he took responsibility for it. He said, hey, listen, this was an error by both Manolas and I. Uh, you know, I was glad to see that because, in my opinion, um, you know, you you can make the case where it was both of their faults and you can even blame one and not the other and vice versa. So it was overall a, a really strong performance. But, James, the, the thing that really impressed me most was tactically this team seems to be growing, really, really growing. You know, I, I had my doubts early in the season, but we've seen the last two, three weeks. I mean, you were at the Chelsea match. I mean, tactically, uh, they're they're on the up and up. For sure, yeah, definitely. It's good to see uh, Di Francesco starting to get his points across. I, I tell you what, John, it might be a bit early to start speculating, but I'm going to be really interested to see how Roma approach the January transfer market and whether there'll be any movement there. And I'm also wondering whether Mares might be back on the cards next summer, just because he, by all reports, isn't particularly loving life at Leicester at the moment. And another thing I wanted to bring up from this match is the fact that that game against Sampdoria is looking more and more and more important by the week. Just looking at the table now, with five points off Napoli with a game in hand, if we win our game in hand, we go above Juventus and Inter. Obviously, uh, other results dependent because I think we've got a couple of games yet before that game in hand finally comes back for us. But Roma keeping the pace at the moment, or do you think it's just Juventus are nowhere near as good as they were in, in recent years? You know, I, th I think we can make a case for both. Uh, the thing that worries me most is that game in hand um, against Santaria. Um, they thrashed Juve at the weekend, absolutely dismantled them. At one point, they were up three to nothing. They are absolutely clicking. It's astonishing how well they're performing. Uh, they haven't dropped any points at home. The match in hand is at their place. So, you know, I... I Could be an absolute way shout for the Champions League spots as well. I mean, sure. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It, it absolutely could. And the, the thing that worries me most is, you know, obviously it's a tough place to play. Um, that stadium, the Ferrari's um, always difficult. But I feel like Roma are still sort of, um, I guess you could even say to an extent, flying under the radar. I, I still feel like, you know, people are impressed with what they're doing. They like the way they're playing, but there's still some doubts. And I, I absolutely absolutely understand that listen you're after you year when you know this club seems to get your hopes at their highest they just seemingly dash them um at almost every given point so i understand people wanted to temper uh you know sort of their belief in this team but i mean like i said before you were at the match uh in london against chelsea we saw what they did in rome against chelsea i mean if they play like that i'm i'm hard pressed to think of you know many teams that are really going to to nick all three points off of them. Now, listen, Juve, great squad, but, I mean, you were there, you watched. Um, we've seen what they did against Chelsea over two legs. I mean, if they play like that, I mean, you, you know, you would like to think they could at least get a draw. Um, I, I don't think they would get dismantled to the point that Juve did. I mean, what do you think? I don't think they will. I don't think they will. Um, 
I think that I think that this this game I reckon it will probably be a draw as well to be honest with you Sampdoria but I mean I'm much in like hindsight now would have much preferred to have played them right at the start got it over out of the way um, we'll have to wait and see but I, I mean just the top six as well just looking at it now it's already just so almost so far away that's that's probably going to be your top six at the end of the season bar AC Milan actually turning themselves around it's a bit it's crazy Milan's seven points off of sixth place Sampdoria and you know I just nine points separating first to sixth that's that's quite something isn't it especially in a in a league that's been dominated by Juve for so long. I was just about to say, should we talk about uh, the the Geno- Genoa game uh, at the weekend? But let's let's take one game at a time. Atletico Madrid on Wednesday. Uh, this could be the game where Roma clinch uh, a knockout spot in the Champions League. Just to remind people who don't have the table in front of them right now. Roma are top with eight points. Chelsea are second with seven Madrid are third uh, with three points and Carabag have two at the bottom. So effectively um, a draw would, 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 would do it for, for Roma against Atletico. What, what do you expect going into this one? Yeah, you know, I, I hope uh, the thing that worries me most is that they'll sort of enter the pitch with that mentality with, yeah, we only need a draw. I, I hate that approach. I've never been a fan of it. Um, to me just a horrible mentality horrible approach to take you know in such a decisive match totally Totally. Uh, you know uh, Atletico have really 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 struggled this season Um, you know it's easy to you know blame the transfer ban on their struggles which you know it's an absolutely valid point but I mean let's just look at their team Um, name for name I mean they're still one of the top like we could debate this all day, but at least five to ten clubs in the world, in my opinion, they're they're still very strong. They have fantastic names. They still have world class players. Griezmann, fantastic. Koke, incredible. Um, goalkeeper, defense. They have they have these standout names. So, I you know I just don't want to uh, you know attribute all of their struggles just to, uh, you know, a transfer ban. I, I think that's an easy way, you know, out of an argument. But listen, I, I was doing some digging on some of their statistics. It, it's astounding. Um, their lack of abilities to create goals, their lack of ability to finish goals. Um, they haven't scored more than one goal in a match in almost two months. That's the so stat, isn't it? it it's it's astounding. And I, and I looked through it a couple of times. I mean, they have several, uh, you know, one-one draws, one-zero wins, zero-zero um, draws. So it, it's bizarre what's going on there. Because I mean, certainly there'll be a different team in January when Diego Costa comes into the side. But um, that's neither here nor there. It's not he, a he won't... problem, is it? Right. Exactly. Well, so we get them in the final, I suppose. Well, sure. Actually. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. No. Very, um, you know, I'm, I'm relatively optimistic. I don't. You know, if we don't do it tomorrow uh wednesday against atletico then we'll definitely or should fingers crossed do it against carabag at home the the real question is i wonder who's going to end up top of this group uh chelsea or or roma and that's one yeah I, I mean everyone you know you should always i mean you should always aim for the first spot but i mean madrid are in second right now real madrid um i think Bayern are in second as well so that's correct yeah um 
I mean, I don't want to say that finishing second is better than, you know, finishing top of the group, but um, I mean, obviously you want to take the math and get, you know, the better odds to face a, you know, a weaker opponent. Um, But I I don't think it matters with this club because we've seen um, the draws the last couple of years at Roma. They never seem to, uh, you know, there's always that joke about United. Anytime there's the Champions League draw, they always get the easiest group. Um, I, we could say the exact opposite of Roma. I mean, they, they always seem to get strong opponents. Um, I mean, if we look just within the last few years, they've they've been in a group with Bayern. They've been in a group with Barcelona. It's it's just astounding that year after year they seem to draw the most difficult opponents. So. In my opinion, I think Roma should just go for it, go for the top spot. You have nothing to lose, um, especially considering if you do get this result, if you ultimately do get this result at um, in Spain, but let's just say for the sake of an argument, they win. I mean, they're in the driver's seat because they get the end against Carabag at home. So if they can somehow pull out a victory in Spain, which I'm skeptical on, I, I see a draw in my opinion. Agreed. Um uh, they're absolutely in the driver's seat. So, you know, for them to, I, I hope they don't rest on their laurels is really what I'm hoping for. You know, again, a draw is going to get them through, but why settle for that? If you have the opportunity to go and grab the top spot, I mean, go and grab it. Or do you, do you disagree? Do you think they should try and avoid maybe the likes of Bayern and Real Madrid? Um, I, I mean, my opinion is it's the Champions League. You, you don't, I don't think you can pick tactics like you can you can do tactics. I think you have to go for top spot. Um, I think every club every club has to think about it like that because I mean, you you say stuff like you know Bayern in second and um, and Real Madrid in second at the moment. Of course, that could change with the last two games. But you know, for every team like that, I can miss you one that's that's going to be in top spot: Barcelona, PSG. You know these these people, uh, these Man City, these teams that are going to be right up there at the end of the season. So no, I think you always have to go for top spot. And even even again, like you you shouldn't you know fob it with the hope of getting top uh, getting second and then an easier draw because something that I think is a bit underappreciated by this season uh, for about Roma's performances in the Champions League this season is the fact that. Our coefficient will go up and we will be in a higher pot because of our performances this season. You know, getting out of the group stage, that's great for us. Um, for, you know, could, could could see us move up to, to pot two. You never know. I, I, yeah, they, they need. I mean, if if it wasn't for there were a couple of uh, results that went their way in the summer, namely Ajax getting knocked out in the qualifying stages. I mean, if that didn't happen, if Ajax were still in the competition, they're in pot four. So, oh my god, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So everyone needs to have how bad we've been in the Champions sure, League. Sure. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. listen. Every victory that they get helps that coefficient. Every point that they get helps that coefficient. They need to keep winning in Europe because, uh, you know, just having these dreadful results year after year after year after year without making any real progress. I mean, it's just almost like a circle. Right, right. And the thing is, you know, the thing, too, is, oh, exactly. There's that. But, I mean, they've struggled in both competitions. They've struggled in the Champions League. They struggled in the Europa League. When they were in the Europa League last season, I honestly thought they could at least make the final. Now, I granted, thought, yeah, we, I thought they were going to the final. I thought we'd see a, um, you know, United Roma final. 
Uh, uh, right. So did I. And I, you know, but for them to absolutely they did they did um particularly at home so yeah this yeah. club they, they have to get points they have to get results i don't care which way they go about doing it i don't care if they do it at home i don't care if they win one nothing three nothing four nothing i mean it, the thing that bothers me most is um i mean even when they beat um Karabakh, they only they beat them two to one, I believe the score was. And there were fans complaining. And it, it, it blew my mind because it's like, listen, we, we all have to have some perspective here. This club is historically dreadful in Europe. I don't care if you want to look at the Europa League. I don't care if you want to look at the Champions League. Just historically, absolutely dreadful. So I don't care if they, if they you know, are hanging on by their teeth and they barely went 2-1. Um, look at what Karabakh did to Atletico. So... Europe is a completely different animal as opposed to whether you think you should beat someone by two, three, four goals. It, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, James, I mean, anyone can just go back to listen in the episode when the draw happened. Yes. Nobody expected this. That was, Nobody. That was a great episode. Yeah. Nobody, nobody expected, expected this. No. Nobody expected this. Nobody expected Karabakh to, to you know, nip points off of that uh, Atletico. Nobody expected Roma to go into London and get points off of Chelsea. No one expected Roma to just dismantle Chelsea in the manner that they did. No one expected it. So, you, I mean, you know, there's, there's it, a scenario out there where Atletico Madrid beat Carabag twice, and the uh, the uh, the group actually reads Roma top with eight, Chelsea seven, Madrid seven. So, right. We, I mean, very Carabag have sorted us out massively. There's no denying that. But I mean, in terms of the game tomorrow itself. Florenzi, it's developed today, hasn't travelled uh, as a precaution. Do you know anything more about that? What what can we expect? Was it is, did he um, you know get a bit of a knock on Lazio? Yeah, you know what? Very minor knee inflammation. He he was forced to come off against Lazio. He, we could blame his poor match on that. I mean, he certainly didn't look right. But as you said, merely a precaution. I, I envision him playing against Genoa. Um, and now they're going to deploy Perez on the right, I would assume. So I don't know what that means. I mean, uh, Atletico play that uh, famed 4-4-2. Um, they're very organized. Now, for as bad as their attack has been, um, their defense has actually been very, 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 very strong, um, right on par with Roma. So would it shock me if we saw a 0-0, 1-1 draw? Nothing at all. I don't envision a high-scoring affair, but... Uh, that's fine with me. Any result, in my opinion, is positive and gets us through. So whatever Roma have to do, um, they need to do it because this is a massive opportunity for them. They were, I mean, listen, as I just said a little earlier on that episode where they did the draw, you and I pegged them for Europa League football. So, I mean, for them to be at this point is an indictment on the work they've done uh, up to this point. Totally, totally agree. But um, I don't think we're going to have a podcast again before um, the weekend. So just looking ahead to Genoa, what do you expect from that game? They're in the relegation zone. We should be winning this, shouldn't we? Uh, should be an almost definite win, in my opinion. They've been playing horrible football. Uh, they sacked their manager just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, they're in shambles. They, they have trouble scoring. Uh, their defense is... Horrific. The way and the manner they concede goals is just bizarre. Um, in the tack, not too many strong names. Um, so I would almost 
have to envision that they get a, a victory. Now, you know, come the thing that always scares me are these matches directly after a Champions League clash. Um, they're the embodiment of the quote-unquote trap uh, trap match. So you hope that Roma don't overlook them. Um, you know, just the quality Genoa lack is just bizarre. Um, just be odd to another team to add to the long list of examples why Serie A should go down to 18. Oh, I, I agree. Yeah, and you know what? It's sad, too, because historically, they're a club with some bright, bright history. Um, it, it's just yeah. they, they just don't have the investment like they had or the investment that they deserve. Now, granted, they're, they're coming off a, a victory over uh, Crotone, uh, a 1-0 away victory, which for them, you know, have been hard to come by. Um but they play, you know, they've had the same system in place there. It seems like for five to seven years, um, you know, they play that three four three. You know, a name you may remember, James, is uh, Adel Tadat from uh, QPR, yes. <laughs> the legend. Yes, yes. The so, legend. Yes. <laughs> so he's in the side. Um, oh hasn't really done. Yeah. yeah I, Hasn't really done much of anything this year. Uh, their defense is uh, honestly horrific. I mean, they have Itzo in there. They have uh, Roma legend Nicolas Spoli and then uh, Zukanovic, who is on Genoa on loan from Roma. Um, I mean, those three are just statues. Um, Roma really in a 4-3-3 with the technical ability they have, with the speed that they have on the flank. Um, really should run circles around them. Um, but uh, we'll have to see. We'll have to see. i tell you what, John, uh, something I've wanted to discuss with you for ages, and although not entirely relevant to Roma in itself, I, I we need to talk about Benevento. Are they going to lose every game until the end of the season? That would be incredible. Um, as you just said, I have been a big proponent for 18 uh, clubs in Serie A, if there has ever been a shining example <laughs> as to why this should be shown, as to why this measure should be, uh, you know, seen through, uh, Benevento are the darlings and the number one prime example, Exhibit A, as to why this should happen. Um, it's just absolutely incredible that a team could be this bad um now they almost got a result at the weekend almost got a result at the yeah. weekend so they, they were hard done by they that conceded a lot of last minute last minute uh winners effectively that's and you know i was really really hoping when they scored that free kick against juventus that they were going to get their first win against them but it, it really wasn't to be um, I don't know. It's built up actually a little bit of a cult following in England, Benevento. Not in the sense that they tune in and watch the matches, but everyone sort of slightly pays attention to the fact that there's this team who have played 13 games and lost all of them, only scored six goals and conceded 33. That's so bad, isn't it? I it it's hor- Their defence is... Um, I don't even know if it's... City B worthy. It's it's horrible. And the thing that just really bothers me most is, you know, a lot of these clubs once they're promoted, um, just the failure to reinforce, the failure yes. for these owners and these presidents to put in the proper money needed to have a sustaining top flight football club drives me absolutely insane. Which is why I cannot wait 
in City B. Um, we're probably going to have uh, Parma come up. Yeah, we're I was probably going to have. Say, it'd be great to have Parma back up. Yeah, well, we'll probably see Venezia, who uh, will almost undoubtedly make it as well. They're owned by an American. He's pouring a ton of money into it. I didn't know that. Uh, they, uh, yeah, so, yeah, they're, they're sort of growing a cult following in the New York area where he's from. They're yeah, it's, it's... is it, Like, I'm not being an idiot. That is in, uh, that's Venice, effectively. Venice. That, that is, that is, yep. Yeah, so... Um, exposed uh, how bad right in, my Italian actually It's fine, it's sure. fine. It, not a problem at all. So it's um, they play in Veneto, um, where, I, where I hail from. So the football there isn't exactly rich. You have the no. likes of Kievo there. You have Hellas Verona. So to have a guy like uh, his name is Joseph Tacopina uh, pour yeah. so much uh, fantastic name, pour that amount of money into into a club that um, I mean he he bought them when they were in the fourth tier really? and. He bought them when they were in the fourth tier, and in as many years as he owned them, he will have brought them into the top flight. Um, they're, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, they're managed by people in Zaghi, former Milan striker, former Milan manager. Um, he's doing fantastic things. So, uh, you know, those are what these lower tier Italian clubs have to strive to be. Um, you know, we see these clubs. I mean, James, I'm sure you don't really follow the lower tiers of Italian football. I'm sure many don't. But I, I'm afraid I don't know. It's, a, it's I'll fine. I'll following the lower tiers of English football next season when West Ham get relegated, though. Ah, uh, so. well, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other one. Um, but no, if I'm just looking at the table now. It's quite fascinating. So, barrier top with 26 and then ninth have 21. Citadella. Yeah, it, yeah. So, league. Mentally. Yes, City B this season is actually fantastic. I, I pay attention very casually, um, just because you have some bigger names that are striving to come up, like Palermo, Empoli. Those are teams who are used to being in Serie A for the most part. Um, and Body, uh, absolutely fantastic club. I hope Body, Parma, Venezia are the ones yeah, that get uh, promoted. Um, body. They're right, you know, for anyone who isn't familiar with, you know, Italian geography, uh, they're way, 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 way down south in the boot. Um, Their logo the is fans the are, chicken. Is there, if they uh, yes, the chicken on the logo. yes, it is. It well, is. So Barry was uh, one of the dodgy teams that gave uh, an unemployed football manager career mode of mine a job. So uh, a okay. Space in my heart for them. So uh, absolutely fantastic fans. They have a huge, huge, huge following. Um, their fans are so passionate. So I am absolutely dying for them to get sent up to City A. Uh, um, and, they're, and they're actually managed by um, former World Cup hero Fabio Grosso, um, famed for winning that penalty in the World Cup when yes. uh, Italy won it in 2006. Yes. So Grosso they have all the ma- yes, they have all the makings of you know. These three clubs that potentially could come up from B, uh, they'd be fantastic. So I'm, I'm really, really supporting all three of them to make it to the top flight because they're historic clubs. They're backed by good owners. They have good fans. They have a good following. Um, it, it, you know, just to see the likes of Benevento waste the spot in City, uh, it's just a waste of everybody's time. I mean, they're not going to get a result off anybody. I mean, they might pip. You know, uh, a few points here or there off another relegation threatened squad, but it's just a complete waste of everybody's time to watch a match that they're involved in. And, 
you know, shame on the Italian Federation for letting clubs like that, uh, you know, just squeak by without showing any ambition whatsoever uh, to remain in City A. It's it's an absolute embarrassment. That's your Serie B supplement from the Roma Press podcast. Who do you want to come up? Send us a tweet. And also let us know how many wins Benevento are going to get this year. John, we should organise some sort of prize for that, like a a, a raffle or something. We'll get on that for you here on AS Roma Press. Well, that was a great discussion. We could definitely talk about City B and all these random clubs for hours. Um, it's just, yeah, gosh, the, the wormhole that Italian football drags you into can be astonishing at times. Um, but now we're actually pleased to welcome football agent Omer Kore Uzun. So for you, for those of you who don't know, um, Omer is the agent of Roma attacker Genghis Under. Um, he is also, um, for those of you who don't remember the legend himself, he's also the legend of Sally Yuchan. So we're pleased to welcome him to the podcast now. So Jengiz uh, has been at Roma now for almost half a year, give or take. Um, how would you evaluate his first few months at the club? Uh, first few months, uh, you know, it's not uh, been easy uh, for him uh, because he, uh, <clears throat> he, he last two years, uh, he, first of all, he was in second division in Izmir. Uh, then last year, it was a change for him also because he came to Istanbul and the uh, Super League uh, first time. And uh, he had a very, very good season. And then at that period also he elected to national team and he played over 50 games, uh, which was a, a lot for him. And uh, and also in uh, you know Super League etc. Then this year uh, he made another uh, big step and he came to one of the uh, biggest teams in Italy. Uh, so it was all was uh, very fast. And uh, he had to adapt this. So obviously it hasn't been easy, uh, but he quite liked the challenge. You know, he's a very good player and determined player. Uh, so I think that <clears throat> he, he still uh, needs time. Uh, but at the end of the day, he will uh, make it, as I can say. Yeah, so that sort of brings me into the next question that I had. You know, a lot of um, particularly fans, they seem to overlook um, the adaptation mm-hmm. process that footballers have to go through, especially your players. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in a new city. Yeah. They're in a new learning a new language. Um, how would you mm-hmm. say Genghis is handling this? Um, you know, the perspective I have, he, he's very professional, so he seems to be uh, handling it well, although it might be difficult. Uh, I think he's been doing uh, well uh, because it has been a very, very busy period for him uh, because he came to a new city, you know, new language, new team, uh, new city. Everything was new. Everybody has been very, very helpful. Uh, This helped him a lot, especially the team and everybody in the club helped him a lot. Uh, But he's been handling... Uh, 12, and he's, he has now language school. Uh, he, he's taking lessons, now Italian lessons, and he's trying to listen, watch TV, etc., etc. 
and he's trying to adapt uh, also the new teammates and everything, but he's been uh, handling fine, I think, so far. Because everything also was very busy. There, are ma- there were many games, Champions League, uh, you know, and uh, Serie A games, national team games. So he had to go to many games. At the same time, he had to uh, learn the language. At the same time, he had to adapt. So that, that, that is normally it's, uh, even hard for me, as, as I'm uh, 43-year-old. For him, uh, it has been a difficult process, but I think he's been doing fine, and he will be better, I think. So another thing that he sort of had to adapt to is um, you, you mentioned how many matches he played when he was in Turkey. Um, he finds himself now um, not playing every single match. Um, mm-hmm. But he did mention uh, in an interview with the club uh, a couple of weeks ago that he's still learning a lot. Mm-hmm. So um, how is he handling not being um, on the pitch every single match? I mean, uh, of, of, of course, for every player, not only for Genghis, everybody, wa- uh, every player wants to play uh, in every game uh, as far as uh, the game progresses. Uh, but he knows that it's a long project for him, the Roman project, and <clears throat> he's doing his best. Uh, I mean, he's doing his best in the trainings and also. Uh, the games he played, I think he's handling uh, quite well and determined and keep on working because uh, he's a good player and whichever team he plays, is a national team or the club team, he is giving his best shot. So I think that he's been handling okay. Okay, and lastly here, so um, you've you've dealt with Roma in the past. Um, I, I mentioned before you before you came on Saliuchan. Um, he was a player that you brought, brought to Roma. So one question mm-hmm. I, I would have is: um, so you've now had the opportunity to deal with Monchi. Uh, you've obviously mm-hmm. dealt with Sabatini in the past. Um, mm-hmm. How would you say the two are different? Uh, well, I mean, uh, they have uh, different styles. I, I cannot uh, say. Uh, and they had two great sporting uh, directors. Uh, Walter Sabatini has been in the, uh, this business a long time, and Monchi, we know what Monchi did in Sevilla and in, in Rome. Uh, although, I mean, they are different characters, uh, but you, you can see that uh, both uh, helped in this transfer process up, and they showed uh, the experience and also, uh, you can see the uh, players, I mean, uh, they selected and, uh, and even uh, from different leagues, etc., etc., identifying talent. Uh, I mean, I cannot uh, generalize it. Uh, I can only generalize, I cannot generalize it, but mm-hmm. I can say that both are uh, been great. I mean. That's all for today's Roma Press podcast. Make sure to subscribe. See you next time.